Architecture doesn't exist in a vacuum and neither should you. Whether it's a design critique or understanding how design connects to a larger world, gaining insight is invaluable for architecture students. Well, actually, all students in general. In these interview sessions, guests from professors to professionals and everyone in between will share their experiences and thoughts on design and the built environment. In this episode, we are blessed to have Haley Isaacs. Now, the preamble to this would be, you know that time when you designed a project and it looked really cool, but some prof basically tore your design apart and said it's not feasible? Or did you have something really incredible, but then you know, it looked really great from the front and then from the back, uh, it was pretty much a box. Well, guess what? There's hope for people like you. I got Haley Isaacs and she is officially <laughs> titled a, hey, take it, just, would someone let me, no one ever lets me finish their introductions here. Okay, so she's a set designer and you might know her from, I don't know, some small little productions like, I don't know, Star Trek Discovery, um, I believe, now, now correct me if I'm wrong because I'm too old for this stuff. Degrassi, uh, it's not Degrassi Junior High, it's Degrassi The Next Generation and Degrassi, the one with the, the wheels? What, what was the one? Um, with, <laughs> is, is We're this... actually, I was part of the, uh, the, newer, the newer generation. It's oh. called Next Class. And actually, um, so it was even beyond that, they did another one. <laughs> Um, okay, so so just okay, so way to spoil it. Anyways, I, I I think this is this is actually one of those really long in time, uh, long in waiting uh, episodes because a lot of students in architecture and architectural science are really interested in doing really incredible, fantastic designs, right? But unfortunately, physics, um, costs, a whole bunch of things, time, all these issues come to play that really denies them the ability to make their ideas into reality. But you, Haley, happen to work in set design. And I just mentioned a few productions. And I want to let people hear your story coming from architectural education and how it got you to where you are right now. So please enlighten us. <laughs> it's so funny. Your intro is is basically exactly why I went into this. Oh, this serious? Field. Okay, so that <laughs> was not, that, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not making, we're not using vapor barriers. We're not, you know, we're not mm -hmm. worried about those kind of things. This is a whole new world, basically. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's what I found so exciting about it. And uh, exactly why I went into this field rather than architecture. But uh, but you, you know, started with a, architecture. I definitely so. <laughs> did start with architecture and I'm an architecture grad from University of Waterloo. And, um, and I will say that you can't, well, no, I would say that uh, it is definitely the base that you need if you want to do set design. So um, shout out to University of Waterloo. Hey, 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 so, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> just for the record, Ryerson's got some stage and set design programs too. Uh, gotcha. But hey, but hey, hey, you know what? I'll be respectful. I'm, see, I, I, go ahead, please, please, please. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, I worked, I, well, I did an architecture degree and a master's in architecture. And then um, I worked at various architecture firms doing architecture. Uh, on co-op while I was in school. And then after school, I ended up working with one of my professors, Philip Beasley. Um, and I worked in his architecture firm where, you know, we were doing architecture. Mm -hmm. And then um, we I'd were also more doing... than just architecture. Yeah. <laughs> but we were also doing um, some really fun stuff. And um, basically, the reason I was drawn to Philip's work was um, he was 
really involved in making interactive, um, immersive uh, architecture, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, these sort of outer-worldly um, environments, and I don't know if you've seen them, uh, or if your audience has seen them, but basically, yeah, I was gonna uh, say, I think, I think you and I have seen them because I was with you in Copenhagen seeing them oh, firsthand. Yeah, remember? Um, but, but yes, you're right. So, uh, kids, if you're listening and you aren't too familiar with Philip's work, um, actually, and Haley's work for that uh, matter, uh, just take a look at uh, Philip Beasley. Look him up, and you'll see that he also is probably most known for the Biennale uh, work they did for Canada. Um, way back, yeah, I don't know, right. almost nine years 2010. ago. 2010. Yeah. 2010, yeah. So, um, and take a look at that because that's just one little stepping stone that brought Haley around the world to show and tell a lot of the cool stuff that she's done. So, sorry, I just want to yeah, stop the story yeah. there. No, that's, it, it was a huge part of my uh, um, getting here. And uh, <laughs> it was um, basically like fantasy architecture. And um, we we went around the world and we put up um, these interactive sculptures, which were immersive environments and you walk through them and they move, um, you know, and they respond to your presence basically. And uh, they, um, they're very intricate pieces of work, <laughs> which mm-hmm. took many, many people and many, many hours to, uh, well, hours, I say hours, but I mean weeks <laughs> and months mm-hmm. to um, construct on site. And we did a lot of the preparation in his um, studio in Toronto, which is um, which used to be his house. We were working mm-hmm. out of his yeah, back house back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Those <laughs> and we days. were, you know, laser cutting in his basement, and then mm-hmm. uh, we moved on to a huge studio on Sterling, and um, and I, I believe he's still there right now. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and so. We basically a bunch of laser cut components, which were all, you know, industrial design, you know, each of the little pieces and they all clipped together and made these huge, huge sculptures that you walk Mm -hmm. through. And, um, and that really, you know, I would say that before that, I definitely had like a hope that I would be able to work in sort of fantasy architecture, but Mm -hmm. then this kind of solidified it like what do I want to do? I want to make these cool things. So um, I was with Philip for about five years and we made very cool things mm-hmm. <laughs> for, you know, a lot of very cool things. And mm-hmm. we traveled the world and that was yeah. amazing. And one of the, um, one of the last projects I worked on with him was the Biennale. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we filled the pavilion with this sculpture and it was, it was incredible. And, um, and then uh, I decided I was going to, I was going to make a leap and I was going to try to do film. And uh, it was, it was kind of like, I'd always been um, interested in kind of theme parks and Las Vegas and facades and, you know, and now on top of that, layering on top of that, Philip Beasley's work. Mm -hmm. And then it was just like, Oh, I think I need to try to do this um, mm-hmm. in film. And, you know, when I, when I think about Philip's work and then I think about, like, you know, Pan's Labyrinth and then I think about, you know, like it, there's. Um, Sorry, when you say Pan's Labyrinth, just to make sure we're talking about the uh, Guillermo de Toro film. Correct? Yeah, that one, I, for some reason, that one really stuck with me and it's just, uh, but I mean, there's, there's so many, there's such a rich, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, catalog of amazing amazing um film 
architecture. But um, yeah, just like these fantasy worlds or, you know, Lord of the Rings or any of these amazing uh, Star Wars, anything like that. Um, I was just like, you know what? I could be making this stuff and then we could be filming it. And then mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's just the the thought of that was so exciting to me. So I, I took the leap and um, it's funny. So I, of course, wanted to work on these, you know, these huge blockbusters and everything. And, mm-hmm. but then I started way like, I started in Degrassi, which is like... <laughs> I don't recall any responsive environments or any like uh, Klingons or anything or spaceships no, in Degrassi. No. I could be no wrong spaceships here. spaceships in Degrassi. Um, actually, I think we made a cardboard spaceship for one of the episodes. But um, yeah, it was, it was such a good learning environment for me. Um, I, I sort of happened upon it because a friend of mine was leaving her position um as a set designer at Degrassi and was like uh, I know you've always wanted to do this how about you take over for me and I said can I do that yeah it's like <laughs> just friends like, benefits there what would <laughs> happen man how do, how do I do that and you know the thing with film and the reason I didn't pursue it right at out of the gate was um you have to join the guild you have mm-hmm. to um uh the director's guild of Canada uh so and that's the, that's the DGC, mm-hmm. and um, and I was it was kind of like this big murky thing to me that I was like, how do I do this? And I need I need reference letters, and I need to, uh, you know, I've got to make a portfolio. But like, you know, will it will I the stuff I have apply? You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and it was question. just kind of a thing coming right out of architecture. And then, um, but uh, once I looked, well, once you know, I got into it, I was like, you know what, this actually is, is possible. It's not, you know, a, a big, a big barrier to me was the reference letters, but, yeah. um, but and your friend uh, couldn't just write one for you. Well, you know, uh, she could. Okay, there, <laughs> done. Um, but she gets better uh, friends. I'm just saying, if you're reluctant. Uh... Well, it was, um, you have to have, you have to have three mm-hmm. and two of them have to be from the DGC. And so uh, I was like, how am I going to meet these people? You know, and then, uh, and then I started, you know, working with Philip. And then, you know, five years later, I'm like, wait, I still want to do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I should go back and see if I can do this. Um, and by then, you know, I knew some people that were in the DGC. So it, um, it worked out well in that way. Um, but I couldn't just start working on this production. I had to be a member. So um, I actually worked on a bit of a renovation to the studio at Epitome Pictures, which was where Degrassi was filmed. Um, wait, wait, kind of... just pause for a sec because I need to understand this. I thought Degrassi Junior High was actually recorded at Degrassi, like the school. Like, I mean, what kind of set, I was gonna ask you, what does a set designer do if the <laughs> set is already existent? So, so well, what were you doing? Yeah, that's funny. The, um, well, the original Degrassi was filmed at a school and then, um, the Degrassi we were filming in was a set, um, a large, yeah, a large set um, near like um, Eglinton and uh, basically the 404, like where around there. Okay. Okay. Um, and they have a, a big facade of a school and no school. Hmm. <laughs> they have a big um, facade that they've made and uh, 
basically the interior is a studio. And, uh, and so there are classrooms and there are um, uh, hallways and lockers and all of that. Um, there's a gym, there's a, you know, but in between is, you know, the back of sets. <laughs> you know, you, and uh, so it's, it's interesting. The, um, I think as it, as it turned out, it was, it's actually, um, I think you find that a lot of productions find it's cheaper to, to film in their studio than it is to take trucks and all their gear and all their people out to locations. So hmm. um, if, if sets are going to be playing again and again and again, uh, they, they usually make choose it. to make them. Oh, okay. Yeah. But okay. um, yeah, so, so we were doing. Yeah, you're just doing, sorry, I didn't mean to derail it, but you were no, doing the renovation. No, no uh, so we were doing the renovation, which was completely like, you know, it wasn't set design. It was like they wanted to, I don't know, like make a storage area. They wanted to do like change the, their office area around that kind of thing. And so I mm -hmm. worked with the production designer who at the time, uh, so, so the production designer was Stephen Stanley and he was basically like their in-house production designer. You know, he did all their shows. He was, he knew the place inside and out, you know, he had been there for mm -hmm. at, at least at 10 years before I got there. And um, so it was kind of like a little bit of a trial run. Like I was going to help him with these renovations. Mm -hmm. And then if it worked out, he was going to help me get into the DGC. <laughs> and so, so, so what, what, what are these kind of renovations? Like in, what, what tasks were you undertaking then? Just so, uh, you know, like, um, you know, plan sections, elevation. <laughs> we were, uh, you know, I would do some site measurements. We'd, you know, consult with the, the owner and the, and well, Stephen himself, because they were going to use the space and sometimes like different departments were going to use the space. And so, you know, we would talk it over what they wanted and mm -hmm. I would draw it up, you know, measure oh, okay. it up, draw it up. Um, and then, uh, they would send it out to like get quoted and you know it's so regular architecture okay so but do they need then, stamps and everything like when you say it's regular architecture that was just regular like you know basically like you had to get you don't have to get permits do you for, for some of those things um like some of the things that were exterior um oh. we put in for permits but then okay. other things were just internal walls and okay. you know that that kind of stuff okay um in in a warehouse kind of space so mm -hmm. um yeah so okay. the the uh the i did that for like maybe a, a month and mm -hmm. then um and then steven felt like he knew me enough to be able to write me these references <laughs> and uh and then i you know i started set design i wait, wait, once wait, wait. i had wait, wait. Been yeah, in he the wrote guild. the letters he wrote the letters you got into the guild and then magically you ascended to get the job or like i mean you had to clearly apply for some jobs right well so my application for this job sort of was doing the renovations with them so oh. you know it was kind of like uh, uh my friend internal hire it was like hey do you want to meet Haley? and the production designer was like sure we can meet i mean she's not in the guild so she can't work on this the shows mm -hmm. um but maybe she could help me out with these renovations that we're doing and then i can see how she you know like what you know her skills because mm, yeah um one thing I learned really quickly was that all the skills that you learn in architecture school are super, super valuable in TV and film. Mm -hmm. And they're exactly what they want. Basically, they're, you know, <laughs> if you want to be a set designer and you went through architecture school, mm -hmm. you have everything you need to be a set designer at this point. 
Um, you know, the, obviously there are, are, there are things that are very specific to film. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, walls need to move sometimes, you know, there are no backs to (laughs) to Mm -hmm. the, uh, the sets in some cases, sometimes there are. And so you'd have to make like a double walled set or, you know, there's, there's terms, there's, uh, there's ways that the the crew will use the set that you need to learn obviously Mm -hmm. but if you um if you know how to draw Mm -hmm. uh plan sections elevations details if you know how to express your design visually Mm -hmm. and be able to talk about your design which are all things that i learned in architecture school (laughs) Mm -hmm. then you are very well equipped to uh pursue a uh, career in set design well um that that's good that's a good primer for it but i think you've talked enough about the guild and the idiosyncrasies of getting the job and that the sets kind of component but tell us about moving from degrassi to like moving forward with your career and then just like where does the like fantasy design come into play like i mean obviously once you move from the renovations were they just saying okay so we're on uh this you got to make it like um prom night i i I mean that that's that's something that's kind of low-key accessible it's contemporary but then you eventually move on to productions that are advanced so can you trace us through the designy aspects of those things yeah i mean like so i started obviously with degrassi and then i did a bunch of um children's programming um with with um Stephen Stanley still as the production designer. So I kind of moved with him onto various productions. Um, do you um, mind telling us what these productions were? Because I, like I told you before we start recording, I don't know them. All oh. I know is that there's a lot of Asian kids in the shows that you worked on. <laughs> well, I think the one that you're talking about is Make It Pop. And it is was- Is that Asian? Uh, is that like in China or something? Like what, what is it? No, no, it's, um, it's for Nickelodeon. And it was uh, like a- it was supposed to be sort of K-pop inspired. So um, the cast was basically, they were making a girl, girl group band. Like BTS, <laughs> uh, but girls? A la K-pop. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, the show was really, really cute, really fun. Like we had to make basically music videos, you know? So um, it, it was, it was a bit of like, you know, what are we going to do for this song? And we've just like, oh, let's have fruit hanging from the walls or whatever. You know, like it was, it was so, um, it was so fun and creative. Like it was just like, you know, every, every episode they were going to have a couple music numbers. And so, and they would cut from reality. So we had made sets for the reality version, you know, like the, where the kids live and whatever. Um, and where they go to school. But then, we sort of like you know cut edit to now we're in a fantasy and this is the music video for whatever song was going to happen so um that was a really fun one and and kind of like a bit of a departure from Degrassi where it started which Mm -hmm. has which was very based in reality I mean but at the same time everything was a set Mm -hmm. we didn't go on location basically at all so um I think we went on location to two or three places one was like a hockey stadium that we couldn't build. Mm-hmm. And then one was a church. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it was built. And, uh, and then we went to this Make It Pop, which was, you know, these, these little fantasy music videos and um, very different. <laughs> and then um, 
we worked on another show called the other kingdom which was uh we had to build basically a forest which was very cool because Mm -hmm. you know all of a sudden we were doing organic things like we build building trees um and they were basically we took over a whole studio and we spray foamed out like (laughs) whole place with like we had made this kind of like uh mossy spray or something well yeah but we had made um kind of like a a base that we you know we're gonna put the pond here and we're gonna have trees that are huge and they're gonna be over Mm -hmm. here and here and here and we've made the like this I guess the scaffold, like the, you know, the structure mm-hmm. underneath. And then we got these spray foam guys to come in and they carved it and everything. And then, so that was a whole different world again. So, it, you know, and that one, you know, well, in, in, in all the cases, you know, you're making um, plan section elevations, mm-hmm. but also 3D modeling. And so all of a sudden I had to 3D model in organic forms, you know, mm-hmm. and, all of that which was a whole new learning experience again and so I found that um these these kids shows were very fast-paced and still gave me a real good um sense of learning like that I was learning and progressing and like I was figuring things out and I had learned so much from Stephen with you know learning not only the terms and everything but really good quick fast ways of building you know, efficient ways of building modular architecture. Mm-hmm. And because uh, um, it's very different than how we build or or how I built when I was in architecture firms, you know. So, so everything's built on, built on like four foot grids and mm-hmm. everything. So, you know, because you're making everything from um, what they call flats. So, right. you know, like a four foot by 10 foot flat and then, you're kind of breaking down the set in that way. Ideally, mm-hmm. if you can stay in the, in those grids, it's much faster to build. And so just learning these like quick methods of making things streamlined, making things fast and cheap mm-hmm. was um, really useful. And then at the same time, we're making a forest, which was, you know, not using flowers. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, using a very different, a very different construction method. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I was going to say, though, because you're talking about the speed. So just to give students a sense of like the day of uh, of a typical production, right? Like I, I just want to understand, A, what is the kind of uh, time frame that, that you are like, you know, you talked about this being rapid. And, and of course, we as underst- as architecture students all understand that, you know, there's X number of weeks to do a project. 90% of the work gets done the last 10% of the time, right? Um, I gather that's probably not the same case. I hope it's not uh, for, for your uh, stage design um, or set designs. <laughs> But uh, the other question is, you know, you talked about the 3D modeling and I know a lot of kids were asking, you know, what kind of software would be required. So, so give us an insight yeah. on this, please. So um, in terms of software, just because that, uh, that's easy to answer. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people use um, SketchUp to 3D mm-hmm. model. Um, and uh, I use Rhino. A lot mm-hmm. of set designers are using Rhino these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh it kind of depends on the the group that you're working with at the, at that moment. Um, some production designers really like SketchUp because they they use it themselves, and you know you they might want you to pass them the model or whatever so they can take a fly around and mm-hmm. you know they navigate with SketchUp. So you might want to you might want to learn both. Um, mm-hmm. I would find I found that Rhino was um, far superior. In, yep. More in, robust. 
it's just, uh, yeah. And, and well, uh, you know, I would say that in, on Star Trek, we used, I think there was just a couple of people that were use, uh, using SketchUp, but it was predominantly Rhino and we passed models back and forth between um, all the set designers that were there. Sometimes you work as a group on a certain project or on a certain set. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being fluent in your software and, and knowing a couple of them is actually quite useful because you can sort of, you know, if I was working with some set designers that were doing SketchUp, then I would just like put on my SketchUp hat and mm-hmm. say, okay, we're going to use SketchUp, <laughs> you know, and be able to go back and forth is, is a really valuable skill. And it, um, if you can put that on your resume, a lot of production designers or, or art directors that see that, and maybe they're more comfortable with one or the other. And so if they see that you have, you know, both, or, skills yeah. in both, then that's just a bonus for you. Okay. So, um, but you were asking about the Time. pace. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a lot of the productions that I've worked on, um, and this, this isn't, this might not necessarily be in all productions, but um, the ones I've worked on, uh, they film in sort of blocks and, uh, or they film in an episode. So, um, and usually it's about, uh, like 11 to like 15 days, like uh, four working days or, or like, uh, working days to okay. film, um, for Degrassi, we filmed four episodes in 11 days. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that one was super fast. Um, for Star Trek, I think we were, we were around 11 days for one episode. So it was something like that. I'm trying to remember Jeez. exactly, but, uh, so, you know, for, the kids programming is, you know, very fast paced. By the time you know what you're building, you should be already building, you know? Wow. So it's, yeah, really fast. And I mean, it was same with Star Trek. I'm, Star Trek was extremely fast because the sets were so much more complicated. So if you are not building them by the time you know that it's coming, then you don't have much time to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to develop such an, an elaborate set so um and i would say and just to give you uh just to give you some insight uh, like for for degrassi we're talking about you know feet and for mm-hmm. star trek we were designing down to the 16th of an inch to the eighth of an inch you know mm-hmm. so <laughs> that's the, the kind of the difference in in scale of of detail that mm-hmm. we you know that it can range from, you know, so, uh, yeah. So in, within basically two weeks, you are making new sets okay. and the, um, the, I, most shows have a big, um, they have at least six weeks usually at the beginning of the show where the bigger sets, you would do those in that sort of six to eight, or maybe even, uh, I think, for one of the seasons of Star Trek, we had about four months actually to do the big sets mm-hmm. um, prior to them starting to film. So once the filming starts, that's when things ramp up and you've got to be so fast. But mm-hmm. at the beginning, there's usually a, a, a prep period where you, you have some time to think about things <laughs> and you have some time to concept things out and change your mind and, you know, develop uh, sets and so the, that's usually when the bigger standing sets are done like the mm-hmm. the ones that'll be around for the the whole season 
Well, how, how big are, sorry, when you talk about these, these big sets and everything, I mean, I'm, I'm not asking about the sets themselves. I'm asking about like the teams because we know collaboration is a tricky thing and we got a whole bunch of creatives coming together. How, how, do you, how do you address this with this, like a grouping of, I don't know, really, like you were a rookie at one point, right? And, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, how, how did your input on the quote unquote design, uh, you know, get manifest? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the good thing about working in a smaller uh a smaller production it was that it had a smaller team mm-hmm. um and you had a lot of input um you know and that's why that place was such a great learning environment as we as i moved on to bigger shows there was much bigger art department mm-hmm. um and in in those cases i uh sometimes the the set you're working on you're working on it with a group of people so um being able to communicate with your team um, mm-hmm. becomes a, a task in itself, you know, <laughs> being able to yeah, swap exactly. back and forth. And, you know, uh, we, there were, I'm just remembering now there's a, well, like in Degrassi, you'd get the whole set and you'd, you'd go off and you'd do it yourself. You know, you'd <laughs> get some input at the beginning from the designer, um, tells you kind of what he wants, what it has to do. You read the script and decide, mm-hmm. okay, you know, what would be a good way to enter the room or, you know, what does the room have to have or if it's uh you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then you go off you have like a day to draw it up and then you show it to the designer you have some back and forth and then you are consulting with the construction department to see how to build it wow and uh off they go you know this is like this is like all like in like the span of like a few days or a couple of days yeah then. wow and then in star trek uh like I said, at the beginning, there's much longer periods of time where you're able to um, draw up these things and have consultation with the construction department and have some back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like they might say, actually, we probably should change the way you've, you've set this up because, you know, this would be much easier to build or much cheaper to build mm-hmm. or, uh, or, you know, we can't build that here because uh, we need access for the, you know, a fire lane or, or um, a crane that's going to have to come in to shoot the the scene will not fit in here. So you've got to change the set or, you know, those kinds of backs and back and forths yeah. with um, crew and with construction. Um, but, you know, generally you, you have your meeting with the production designer and the art director, and then you, uh, you get an idea of the concept. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're doing the concept art yourself. Like, so you're, you're um, you're taking their ideas and maybe it's like a sketch on on piece of paper that they mm-hmm. give you, or you know sometimes they give you a fully realized concept art that they've done mm-hmm. um, with um, <laughs> with concept artists in LA or whatever. <laughs> they they hand yeah. you this beautiful drawing and they're like, okay, make this, and you're like, oh, okay. So- <laughs> and it's due tomorrow or something, right? <laughs> it, it's it is really fast paced. I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's it's fast. It's like um, like we're talking all nighters and stuff, or are we talking like um, uh, just? Well, you know, maybe there's a good point to start talking about that, which is that it's a twelve-hour okay. day on a regular. You know, a regular day is eleven to twelve hours, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just everyone. It, it's not. Um, it's not a wow. You're working hard. It's a. 
if that's your regular day. That's expectation? Okay. Yeah, that's um, your contract, basically. <laughs> so I thought you guys had a union, man. What was it, 12-hour <laughs> days? It's like they got, they got child labor laws that are a little bit yeah. hard. You know, some, some art departments work 12-hour days, some work 11. Um, if you are incredibly lucky, you get something a little less than that. But generally, we're talking about very long days. So, you know, there's not much room in there for an all night. Hmm. <laughs> You're basically working um, a very long day as it is. But um, yeah, like sometimes we work weekends. We do six days, seven days a week sometimes. Um, the good thing is you get paid for all of that. Um, it is not a volunteer mm-hmm. position. Good, good, good. And, uh, and it's high, it's very regulated. Mm-hmm. You know, like they've got, um, you have to be part of this union to, to participate. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. uh, I... and they have to pay you. So that's good. Um, but it is, uh, it is definitely uh, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> but but to be fair, day. you also worked at Philip's office. So I'm not saying shout out to Philip. I know we, we all love you, but uh, let's put it this way. Darcy, Andrea, me, Haley, we all got like a, you can have like a Me Too uh, series of shirts. We're, uh, Darcy and I were talking about this, just uh, um, survivors. Anyways, so, so you, you did the DC, sorry, you did the Degrassi stuff and then eventually just tell us, how did you get warp speed into discovery? Like that is, that's a, that's a huge jump. And, and that's a, that's going from like, not, not to detract from Degrassi, but like Star Trek, that is like a, you know, 50 odd year old franchise that people love. And, um, you know, like you were talking about like, you know, some artists uh, in, in LA would send you something. I mean, the stuff you make, I, 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 I worry about a person in your position where you spend like literally like two days straight working on like, I don't know, a classroom or something. And then the, in the film or whatever in the show, it's like, it's not the details that you spent so much time on weren't even like a less than a fraction of a second on screen. Um, or, <laughs> or like if it's like Star Trek, you have like, um, in season two, uh, the, uh, the prison scene didn't have a disconnect. There was a, there was a continuity error and uh, I blame the set designers <laughs> and like, uh, uh, oh my gosh. have this, like, I mean, you must have to deal with all this crap. So, so tell me, how does a, how did you get to discovery and B give me some good stories on like how just like, you got to deal with all the crazy track keys man <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah uh, well so we got to do oh uh, well how did we get to star trek so yeah um we heard well it's so funny well i say we because well, i'm still working with student stanley in the art department working on those um the you know the fun kids shows and mm-hmm. then uh all of a sudden we heard rumblings that star trek was coming to town and it was mm-hmm. rumblings, like people mm-hmm. were like whispers in the night, like, <laughs> like people were just Oh, like, I know, I know. coming. Yep. And everyone's like, who's going to work on it? And, you know, um, as it was turning out that um, the, show my, the show I was working on was still going and Star Trek was starting. So mm-hmm. I couldn't, I, you know, jumping ship and going to another show is not Steve must have been impressed not a thing to do not a thing to do you do Mm. not do that um (laughs) so you know I was kind of like well you know it was a little bit of a a jump for me and and I'm still working on this show so it it's not happening Mm -hmm. so you know fine and then (laughs) as it turns out my show was ending and I was like you know what I'm going to see if they need help. (laughs) I'm just going to write to them and see if they still need help. Who did you write um, to? You knew like the the person? So the, the DGC that we're all part of, it's, um, 
it's very transparent. Like they have, they have this thing called the hot list that goes out mm-hmm. every week and it lists all the productions and it mm-hmm. lists who's working on all of them. And so you can, you can see if a production has already started, you can see the list of people who are, are working on the show. And um, as it turns out, um, one of the art directors that was on the show, I had heard his name because he worked with um, someone who had worked at uh, LA Complex, which is another one of the shows that Stephen Stanley had done and, and I had worked on with him, mm-hmm. uh, which was not a kid's show. It was, uh, it was a, um, I guess it was more akin to like a Melrose, like Melrose Place. Place. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it was about all these okay. uh, people in LA trying to get, make it in the business anyway. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, a friend of mine who had worked on that with me went on to work with this other art director and I saw his name on the list doing Star Trek and I was like, huh. Hmm. So, you know, I contacted my friend to see if she could tell me, you know, are they still looking for people? Are you working with him on this? And, you know, um, I had just been, encouraged to just send in my resume and see if they needed help uh, because it was a huge show mm-hmm. and they needed a ton of people to help. It mm-hmm. was, they didn't have much time. And um, when I was applying, they were already working and mm-hmm. uh, the deadlines were fast approaching. So, you know, there was, there was some talk that they might still need some set designers. So, mm-hmm. you know, I <laughs> just like, shot in the dark and and sent him my stuff and then sort of followed up and said you know mm-hmm. is this possible and um and sure enough they they said come in for an interview so i went in, t- in for this interview and as it turns out they were looking for some more people and um stephen stanley the saint that he is uh let me leave the show a little early to oh, go and work on wow. star trek he, which um you owe him man I do owe him. I do. And, uh, and yeah, so he, <laughs> funny enough, he actually came and worked on just on Star Trek two for a little bit. Did, did you hook him up or the... at least help him out, man? Come on. <laughs> I definitely put his name for him. <laughs> Good, man. Oh. Um, Cause he had a little bit of time and he, he came on to Star Trek to work as an art director for a little bit. So, wow. um, so we were reunited there, but um, yeah, he, he's amazing. So and, uh, and, yeah. and just just to be clear, you you pretty much were there from like a little bit after the thing the production started, but you were pretty much on it for uh, to the to pretty much the first two seasons, right? Yeah, the first okay. two seasons. Yep. So yep. Um, season three and, still uh, yet to come. So I mean, the, the, don't want to spoil and stuff, right? So right, gotta give the and, mystery of the red angel to everybody, but. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Sorry, and, just uh, for the record, most kids know that I'm a Star Wars person, but uh, uh, I do know my Star Trek too. I'm just, just. I, I, oh, I, good yeah. to know. I mean, it's funny once you, <laughs> every once in a while, someone will say Star Wars in in the art department. Everyone like turns the record, what, stops. Everyone like yeah. looks over. <laughs> it's like it's like get that guy dare out of you. <laughs> They're different. Yeah. They're very very different. Just putting it out there. Uh, but but okay so 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 after doing all the production so i'm glad you actually outlined all the way to star trek and i'm not gonna ask for spoilers or anything okay but just um when it comes to this whole entire notion of like you 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 did a really good job explaining how you got there but i just want to go on a couple of details because you talked about the software the workflow the kind of stress right you know one thing that i gather is also common to architecture is the portfolio so what did you have in a portfolio you you know you mentioned a couple times so what do you put Mm -hmm. in, in in a portfolio for that 
Yeah, so, um, I mean, you need a portfolio just to even get into the DGC. And what they're looking for is, I mean, you can enter the DGC in, in various you know, you can be an accountant, you can be a, you know, there's all the different um, uh, departments that you can enter mm-hmm. film and TV. If you want to do set design, it's the art department. Mm-hmm. And the art department is also made of uh, graphic designers. Um, it's also made of uh, motion graphics designers mm-hmm. and set designers. So um, basically they want to know which stream kind of <laughs> that you want to enter. And so you've got to show them material that would be relevant to the, the to that stream basically mm-hmm. so for me that meant um i was showing them uh my my past in architecture all the architecture firms that i had worked in mm-hmm. um on co-op and um and my work with philip mm-hmm. um as well as i was showing them the um the the sculpture work that i had done at pbai mm-hmm. okay. at philip's office sorry and um and then on top of that, if you uh, if you can show that you're well rounded in 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 the sense that um, you could do graphics and set design, say, uh, or maybe you dabble in motion graphics as well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like uh, you show all of it. So um, at the time, you know, <laughs> wow, I'm going to date myself. Maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just told um, people that I know of the original Degrassi. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's uh, true. Yeah. I was just like, does this program even exist anymore? Uh, <laughs> well, you, you know, so like I, I was showing them definitely my AutoCAD and all that. Yes, but I was it still exists. Showing, it well, still no, exists. Uh, well, then I was, you know, showing them stuff I had done in Flash. Oh. <laughs> does that exist? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it exists in some incarnation, but I think even <laughs> Chrome and everything's kind of banned it. But okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. No, I get it. And uh, and After Effects and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. the things I had been playing around with in terms of like making uh, things that, you know, motion graphics. And then also um, I showed them, I had been working um, sort of as an offshoot to Philip's office. Uh, we were involved in a Riverside Architectural Press. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I had done a lot of- um, uh, Publication. B- yeah, book uh, art direction and mm-hmm. you know some graphics. I had been involved in, uh, we hadn't made a book for um, High Lizard Ground, which was the Philip's mm-hmm. um, Biennale mm-hmm. uh, exhibit and made, a, um, a ton of graphics for that basically and so i showed that's them the, all that's the that. one with the white cover the white yes yeah, okay, that's right good. Yep, yep. um yeah so the, and you know all the graphics in there um i helped make so mm-hmm. I, I showed that in terms of graphic design like I, it's not like i had made logos for companies or something mm-hmm. but i had done these very strange drawings for <laughs> work so um you know it could really be anything um, that shows your skills in terms of uh, architecture, or if you wanted to go into graphics, you know, mm-hmm. anything that shows your skills in terms of graphics. So um, all the stuff that you've been making and in architecture school is, you know, prime. It's going yeah, to pay off. Stuff. Well, yeah, for sure. Actually, actually, I do have a question now about the, the tools, because on the one hand, you know, we, we now, everybody knows how to, like, you know, talk to a first year, they 3D print and laser cut stuff. Hell, they do that in high school now, right? So, you know, back in the day when you were a kid, that, that was relatively new stuff, right? Um, so I don't want to date you there, but, you know, you know it's kind of true. <laughs> so, so here's, here's the deal. 
Um, on the one hand, we have a lot of students in architecture now knowing everything about fabrication, right? And that's pretty key from what I understand. Like you should be able to know how you would produce X, Y, and Z, right? Even if you don't do it yourself, you should know not only just how to cut, you know, the, the plywood to make a certain desk or something or the backdrop or something, but you also know how to possibly understand that there's, this would be better off CNC'd or whatever, right? So there's that fabrication component, but that also seems at odds with today's era where a lot of stuff you see done in post, right? Like, you mean, you look at like, say, anything in Star Trek, I'd say every other scene has some sort of CG, correct? I, maybe I'm wrong here, but I couldn't imagine it all being practical effects, right? So how, how do you, yeah, how do you they, describe this to the students so that they know what is and what isn't a rel relevant skill set? Oh, wow. Um, so it's funny that you mentioned that. So, uh -oh. um, as, uh, so as one of my tasks when I got to Star Trek was, um, so I was going to be involved in set design, mm -hmm. but I was also going to be a, basically a, like a liaison to the construction department in their fabrication. So mm -hmm. um, because I had had this background experience with Philip, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, I, I knew how to run CNC machines. I knew, you know, like we had milling, Cutters, we had, yep. you know, we had worked with various fabricators stuff that we didn't do ourselves we had sent out we had dealt with you know all these plastics we had dealt with all these materials and all these people mm -hmm. and that was definitely part of my pitch to have me on star trek mm -hmm. <laughs> so when i got there um they uh, they had me working directly with the construction department and their cnc um their cnc person mm -hmm. they basically they had an in-house cnc guy mm -hmm. because they did so much cnc so the um we we worked um, really really closely every single day, <laughs> hmm. making uh, and basically I I learned how each fabricator wanted all the files set up basically so you know uh, and I helped <laughs> basically the the art department uh, set up their files and work with fabricators. So um, that was one of my, my jobs when I was there. So uh, in the first year, more so than in the second year. Mm -hmm. So the, um, so yeah, so we were working directly with the manufacturers, kind of like translating all of these sets into basically kits. Mm -hmm. So this is coming back to the four by 10 kind of dimensions still? Uh, no, because. Oh, it's just, it's just off. It's just weird. Like it's Star Trek. Everything in Star Trek was. Oh, okay. Custom, custom, custom. Like okay. it is, if there was one flat in there that was a normal size, that would be an anomaly. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, everything became a custom job. You know, definitely um, there were modules and, mm -hmm. and ways of making things efficient, but it wasn't the, you know, four by 10 grid that I knew of. It oh, was, okay. you know, this set, maybe we should do this module, you know, like because mm. there's a couple of, there's these angles always uh, repeat. So, you know, we could do uh, five of part five B and 10 of part C2 or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, like, so it was, uh, it was basically trying to make these really fantastical sets uh, happen in, in a quick, you know, in a fast paced uh, environment. Like, so we were, you know, translating these concept sketches into things that could be built on a schedule mm -hmm. 
Um, and so there was a lot and lot of back and forth with all the fabricators trying to figure out what's, what's the fastest, best way to make this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then we would prepare our, our set designs. We would, you know, uh, draw them in a way that we could portion out all the, the parts. So there was a lot of, of collaboration with fabricators and with the construction team trying to figure out, you know, are we going to, what are we going to make this thing out of? Like maybe we should make it out of foam because it will be lightweight. Um, and then we should get it routered over at this company because they mm-hmm. can meet our deadline and they have the capability for this size bed. And so we'd have to change our module to be, you know, to fit in this Mm-hmm. size and they th- this place does water jet but they they can't their beds only this big and we've got mm-hmm. to like change the parts or maybe we can make it more efficient if we can use the whole piece of plywood to do it this way or whatever so it was uh a lot of uh that kind of problem solving yeah. yeah so you know knowing knowing all these fabrication methods is a huge plus and then also um you know if you know anything about like how you actually you know would prepare your files for all these things Mm -hmm. and the most efficient ways of working with all those kinds of fabricators it would be a huge uh huge plus and if you have experience yourself in using those machines you know 3d um 3d printers uh cnc routers laser cutters um there's you know at some point we used five five axis machines you wow. know. it it was everything under the moon and some <laughs> so but i mean that that's a lot of expense and time and sometimes you just don't have that ability especially for some of the you know like i'll be honest with you when you look at some of the stuff uh I hate to put because everyone knows again. I'm a Star Wars person, but uh, in, in 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 Discovery, there is some really intricate work that comes about from the Klingon uh, sets. Okay. Yes. And and I gotta say that that some of that has to be CG'd, right? So so at some point, don't you guys just say, "Look, man, that's too expensive," or "We don't have the time to do that," or you know, this part, the, the scene's really cool, but like it's gonna there's an explosion, so we don't have to make it. So this is you know do it digitally, like. Do, do you find that sometimes you just have to say, forget it, just send it to the guys in LA to do a digital version? Like, I mean, what, it's what's amazing. the make or break? It's funny because um, it, it amazes me some of the things that we actually built. <laughs> oh, really? oh, please yeah. don't, don't. You're going to tell me that like everything in, uh, on the Klingon sets was, was like not computer generated? Come on. The, the Klingon set was built. And the only thing that was not built were the exteriors like the the, um the the external spacings when they show the ships from the outsides Mm. yeah um you know and then through the window you see space and the space was cg'd but Mm -hmm. the the klingon set it was like a gothic yeah cathedral and it was real yeah really (laughs) all of it it was real and we we yeah, we built it. I mean, there, there were. How the hell did you make that? Like, honestly, what did you? That, that, was that the five axis? Because that that is some next level fabrication, yes. man. Okay, there. That we go. one used a bit of everything, and that was. I think it. That I don't must know have if been it the six weeks. Stands. That must have been time, man. That <laughs> honestly, that that's a that lot one of... was that one was um, filmed at the very end, I think, of um, uh, probably you know when they start shooting, they start with some sets and then there's still more time for the other sets. So that one had the most amount of time basically. And it, it, um, and the first season of Star Trek, 
they started late and then um, we had even longer because, you know, we needed more time, we needed more time. And I think production and, um, and the writing and everything, they also needed more time. So the, um, the beginning of Star Trek, the first season mm-hmm. actually got a lot, a much bigger prep time than, and then the second season and any seasons beyond because uh, there was this huge lead up to the, the first episode filming because we had these enormous, enormous sets. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm trying to remember that one. There was at least, uh, I think there was, yeah, like five months or, or something yeah, like that. I'm trying to remember. That is pretty intense stuff. But uh, let's just get into this, though. Um, l- let me ask you something. What would you say is your, I, I don't want to use the word proud, but what is one of the best achievements that you've done as a set designer? I mean, this is, people can get a sense of what Haley Isaacs has actually done, that she's really you know, keen on showing off, right? Mm, I think. <laughs> The, the accessible ramp for uh, Drake to go up on that, for wheels to go up on the, on, the, on the building? Like, what are we talking about? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I... Oh, don't I, tell I, me. I, seriously? No, no. I would, I would say that um, definitely some of my, my favorite stuff is the stuff on Star Trek. I'm trying to think of uh, what set specifically, but like... There's so many yeah. to choose from. Come on, man. Well, you, you do you do work on a lot of them. There's um you know like I worked on the corridors themselves for this for the ship, and so every time I see them, I'm like pretty happy. And they, they, we made this um we made this secondary corridor in the in the second season, which has like a sort of a skylight, and then they did a shot where they came in through the skylight, and then oh yes yes this. I do know yep I do know what you're so talking about. so yeah so I worked on that, and then. Um, we worked on uh, like, sorry, every time I say we, it's because there's, um, for some sets, it's not just you working on it. Well, so it's a collective. I can understand. There's that, Haley, definitely, I... um, because the sets are so big, there's, mm-hmm. um, there's at least, you know, maybe there's a couple sets I did all on my own. Um, but you definitely get a lot of help along the way mm-hmm. for most of the sets, the bigger sets. Um, I worked on a, a science lab, was, which was very cool. Oh, is it the one where they dropped the first F-bomb in Star Trek? Is, is, that, is that the one when, <laughs> when they did the spore drive thing? Is that, is that, are you going to talk about that? I'm oh, like, oh. F-bomb, did they do that? Yeah, do you remember? remember? Yeah, so <laughs> oh, do you not even watch the show you, you work on? Well, you know, F-bomb, I don't know if I, I clocked no, that. No, <laughs> no, no. So this is, because I, I was watching, because... Got to bear in mind, like when you're watching the discuss, like you know, first off, Star Trek, it's always like you're assuming it's like PG-13 at worst, right? And it's supposed to be like Gene Roddenberry's whole like you know I- ideal society and stuff. But I don't know, like maybe it's because they, it, the the show is behind a paywall. Um, but uh, yeah, like they're, they're I can't remember what exactly happens, but the the the, the female scientist, the one that lives with the, the roommate for um for Michael Burnham, right? Uh, oh she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She basically like, they, do so, they do something really good, and she goes. F that or something, or like, I can't remember what it is, but she drops an F-bomb and I was like, did I, like, I thought I just said that in my own head, but then I was like, no, 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 play the, play back the tape. She drops an F-bomb. That's so funny because I, now that you're saying it, I do remember that. Um, Okay. I like how I'm the Star Wars guy and I don't even work on that show. And you're like, oh, really? There was an F-bomb? Man. <laughs> I'm too busy looking at the sets. <laughs> well, okay, but but you know what the thing is, I, I I don't know exactly which lab you're talking about, but I can tell you though that um, those corridors get used to hell 
in in the it's show. It definitely do. Like I mean, you that can tell like it's sure. like I think they're reusing it, or like you're like, hmm, did they just like reupholster uh, the, the, the walls and all? But I, I got to give you credit though because it's it's difficult to maintain some sort of um, locked into reality because I think that you you unfortunately deal with the kind of original Star Trek series where it was like so cheesy the effects and stuff. And the problem with Discovery is of course that it's supposed to happen like what like 15 or so years before the original Star Trek series happens, right? Yes. So that's where I'm like thinking, you know, for some reason they got to find a way in Star Trek to explain how the sets got from you know, amazing futuristic stuff to jankety, like cheesy 1960s stuff. so funny. That's so true. Yes. And then then it's like, when do the girls all start wearing like 1960s, like mini skirts and stuff on the bridge? You know, we haven't gotten to the part where they get, they come back around. So I'm not quite sure how they're going to. Yeah. It's like women's rights go backwards and like, uh, (laughs) Uh, so but 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 actually just one thing about the set design so it's not it's because i know that you do sets but do props ever mix into the into the realm especially with discovery of star trek i mean it, it sometimes props are kind of quasi set pieces right or oh, is that yeah. something totally autonomous from you um there are people that work on you know sometimes um so there's there's set deck and then there's props um and uh, set deck means decorations or um, something well, else? it's uh, it's called yeah, it's set decoration, which is like so much. It's so it, the th- the things that set deck does is incredible. Like mm-hmm. so, basically, we give them the shell of the room, and then they they have at it in some cases, okay. and they they make it real. Um, but the uh, on Star Trek, there's a huge collaboration with the set deck team, and uh, a lot of um, a lot of the stuff we were making. A lot of the times we're like, "Is this verging into set deck?" So mm-hmm. we would collaborate with them. And, and one of the sets I was, yeah, maybe oh, I'm just looking through right now, just because I'm trying to remember. Wait, I like to look this <laughs> up online, and I'm like, I'm just talking straight. I'm I'm should be the one like you know pulling up the images. But yeah, so wait, wait. but um, I worked on a, a set for Saru's bedroom, kind of like um, his crew quarters. Mm-hmm. So, and he had this incredibly elaborate kind of like um, chamber, which is filled with like sort of like plant matter. And he had these oh, greenhouses yeah. and, mm-hmm. um, and then this bed that he was, that was um, kind of like this like glowing uh, thing that we had made. And um, so there's like a console on the bed, which, you know, is supposed to be like his, his uh, way of, you know, making the bed do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so the console itself is set deck in that case. Okay. And the, the, all the grass and the greenery and all that, that's also set deck. Um, but in terms of the console, like I would design it and then I, so as as um as an example so i would design this console and you know i would measure the buttons and i'd put it into the cnc file that they're going to have this kind of button or whatever but actually putting this console together with the electronics that it mm-hmm. needs and all of that and you know sometimes they have Wire monitors and all that mm-hmm. um that's set deck okay and so uh, our construction team would basically like uh make make the the whole chamber or the bed and all this 
and then the uh, when I say bed, it sounds weird, but this is pod. Well, yeah, okay. So I think people should know just in case you guys aren't too familiar. Uh, Saru is like the science officer or something like that, um, and he looks like is this an alien, right? Um, and yeah. he's he's played by uh, Doug Jones, who's probably most famous for playing the um, the Abe uh, Sapien guy from uh, Hell Hellboy, right? Or I, I think that's probably the most his, his most famous role. I, it's funny if the, he's basically done anything that needs an alien yeah like he's, he's, the, he's the water the the fish guy in hamilton um uh what the, the uh, yes uh, yes that movie in Can't um shape of water shape of water yeah yeah so so anyways um kids if you take a look at that at his living quarters it's it's not like a simple bed kind of dorm thing right so <laughs> no yeah. when i say bed it sounds funny but the um yeah so the all the um, all the parts basically like i'll collaborate with set deck and i'll say what kind of monitor can we fit in here in this mm -hmm. in this small space what kind of buttons and what can we can we make some of these light up i need that one to like you know i i would like red buttons and it would be cool <laughs> if they could pulse or whatever so mm -hmm. like and set deck team which I, uh would you know come back with all this stuff they'd be like what about this and mm. like oh my gosh this is cool so <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd go about measuring it all and trying to make it fit in these, in these, um, in the CAD. Mm -hmm. And then I would send it off to get made and then set deck would take it and then make it real. Like, so Holy they would, crap. so when I say set deck, um, I think for me, and this is when I, I was starting in, in uh, set design, mm -hmm. when I hear the idea set deck, it sounds a lot simpler than what it is like set deck is everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's amazing well, i think it's just because in architecture we're so used to deck uh decoration as being the most menial of design right like yes it's, the, it's I, like the word decoration superficial doesn't right? yeah it does not does not explain yeah uh, yeah but in in their world set decoration if you're the set decorator you're the head and you're you know so it, 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 I remember when I started, it had like a different connotation for me. And mm -hmm. then, uh, and then when I learned what that department does, I'm like, wow. Now so it's got the weight. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they do a lot, everything to do with all the lighting, all the stuff, like all the, sorry, not lighting the set, but lighting all these little bits buttons that are going to be. Yeah all the buttons all the all that stuff well so, is this is this funny because i was i, I want to bring up set, set deck because i don't know like sorry we had earlier talked about one of our ryerson grads uh haben uh also worked at star trek or uh with you and yes. i and, and the reason why i know about the for the props and and you can correct me if i'm wrong okay but she graduated from our undergrad and then she and i had a bunch of uh, uh projects and we were doing a couple of things together and then um, I helped her out with a couple of applications to various uh, jobs and get this. So if you ever come to my office, you might notice that I have a thing for Star Wars. Okay. I have a few Star Wars things. And... Hey, wait, when, when I was, when I was with you over in Waterloo, you, yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but anyways, Haven, um, she, so, so I have all these Star Wars things from, from students that, that I've helped out, right? And um, one day, uh, just out of the blue, she comes to my office, like she's already graduated, like this is like a year after she's graduated, and she comes to me and she gives me a book. And the book isn't Star Wars. And I'm like, okay, so maybe she just didn't understand because English isn't her first language, as you know, right? 
So yeah. she gives me this book and it's like the, the, the planets. And so it's like this book on the planets of, uh, and galaxies, right? And I'm like, okay, close, but no cigar. But I mean, I, I appreciate the attempt at getting Star Wars stuff. I know it's maybe hard if English is a second language. And she goes, no, I just, I just want you to have this. I just can't tell you what it's for. And I'm like, okay, that's really weird, but sure. So she gives it to me. and I'm like, you know, it's not Star Wars, but we started talking anyways. So I'm, I'm cool with that, right? And she goes, no, I know it's not Star Wars, but it will make sense in a, in, in a bit, right? And then I was like, okay, cool. So I kept it in my office. And of course, later on, I figure out two and two because she gave it to me because that's when she said, basically, I'm working for Star Trek and I just can't say anything. And that's <laughs> and it just clicked. It just clicked because she couldn't say it. She couldn't say that she got the job and that she was working on anything in particular. And that's how I know that she was working on it because she passed to me this not Star Wars book, but just a book on star stuff, right? So I thought that was a nice little thing. <laughs> and as we both know, we just discussed earlier prior to recording that uh, we both know Haven and uh, she's a sweetheart. So if, you're, if she gets this message and she's hearing it, uh, more power to you and hopefully you're kicking butt in, in the States. But this brings me to one last question. In, in the whole picture of, of your career, right? You finally got to, I, I thought, you know, maybe you, when you got into uh, the, the kids productions and, and, and Degrassi, maybe that was where you're like, okay, cool. I'm in set design. This is great. Um, and I think at some point when you're, you know, at, at one point you must've been working for Philip and you were overseeing projects. Like I remember, uh, you know, when, when you were overseeing stuff in Copenhagen, I believe, uh, did, did you work on the stuff in Korea too with Philip? Uh, I had, I had left before the Korea. Oh, okay. Okay. But, but you know, you had, you'd done several pro like uh, West, Western Canada, I think was, were you on the Edmonton one? Uh, no, I wasn't. Okay. But, uh, yeah. My last project there was um, in Salt Lake City where we had done this. Ah huge permanent sculpture mm, okay. um, in the Leonardo. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and then I made my exit. But, okay, no, uh, no, but, but the thing yeah. is, you, like, you know, at, at some point, you know, you, you really made it big for one of, I would say, uh, and, and no, not to diminish Philip at all, but uh, I mean, at that point in time, Philip was the, you know, avant-garde killer uh, Canadian architect. I mean, he still is a very, very good and accomplished, uh, don't, not, nothing to say from, uh, away from, but you know, you were working there and then you said, I got, I got to take a plunge and then you went to set design. And I mean, all things being equal uh, in, in the Canadian kind of marketplace, I, I, I couldn't think of a more pop show that in Canadian uh, context than like Degrassi, right? I mean, and then, yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, at that point, what Mr. Not Mr. Rogers, um, Mr. Dressup uh, is, was dead. I mean, there's nothing really Canadian anymore. Friendly Giant was no longer around, so there's nothing really Canadian out there, right? So, so again, you you kind of were out there, and then you decided to go to Star Trek, right? So now you are on probably one of the world's largest sci-fi franchises, right? And doing what, I, I mean, I don't think the series is prematurely going to end, right? Um, <laughs> right. I, I mean, like we've seen those shorts, which incidentally, I mean, I'm seeing the Aga Khan Museum, I'm seeing U of T, like, I don't oh, know yeah. what, you're just, throwing, you're just throwing like Toronto left, right and center in, the, in these uh, Star Trek productions. So I don't want to give it away, but uh, are you happy now? Or are you seeing another thing on the horizon? Like, what are you gonna do? Like go take over Disney or something? What, what what's next? <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I mean, Star Trek is, I, I would say probably, like, for me, when I was starting, Star Trek was the dream. That was like, mm -hmm. you know, when I was back in school, I was like, I want to work on spaceships. Like, wait, wait, are you, are you saying Star Trek just because you're working for them? Or, hey, come no, on, Star was, Wars. Are you serious? You, well, wait, wait. you know, my dad is a major Trekkie. 
He's an engineer, um, though, isn't he? Is he an engineer? No, <laughs> no, oh, he's uh, he's uh, he he works in uh, network control at um, on uh, he does television. Uh, uh-huh. So he, right now he's working for Sportsnet, but he used to be at CBC. Okay, and um, basically he runs the satellites like moves the that sounds the like engineering kind of stuff man i'm just saying <laughs> the usual divide is that engineers will always gravitate towards the star trek and that's funny i'm just saying well, you know star wars would have been amazing too right but um i grew up with star trek my dad my mother also mm-hmm. loves star trek and uh it's it's kind of embedded in my that's okay. like, That's okay. yeah. listen, listen, there's so, nothing wrong with star franchises except for maybe i don't know star search but but th- we don't. <laughs> but it's it's funny so like when i was thinking about film and television you know uh, it would be cool if i could work on something like that but that was like you know when i started that was a that was way out there and and in my world they weren't filming things like Star Trek here in Toronto, yeah, exactly. you know, like that wasn't in my realm. Like at, at the time I thought you'd have to go to LA to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this happening was like basically a dream come true. And it was and for a set designer. It's like, you know, a plus plus it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool what we're making. So um, this is, this is awesome. What I'd love to do though, would be, um, I would love to work on a, a fantasy, which would be very cool. You know, um, oh, come on, what fantasy franchise isn't done already now? Like, I mean, like <laughs> who knows? Amazon's corn. I mean, unless, unless you want to jump ship to go to the Amazon productions, but that's like going down to uh, New Zealand for uh, the the Lord of the Rings one, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're not going to do Star Wars for a while because of well, the prequel. I'm uh, sorry, the sequel uh, saga is kind of drawn to an end. Uh, Star Trek is everywhere, like and the success of Picard and everything else. You, you, you know, you're kind of there. Um, so. Yeah, they're they're very busy working away on all sorts of offshoots. Um, yeah, and so you know the the Star Trek world is kind of endless at this moment. But uh, it, like, I feel like um, <laughs> once you get a taste of it, you're just like, what else could we do? What else could we build? You know, like <laughs> every time you uh, you think you've um you've sort of reached a goal then you're like okay so now what can we do so it's uh i feel like um it would be it would be very cool to work on uh sort of a fantasy world or something like um <laughs> when 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 they were filming game of thrones i was thinking to myself Wow, wouldn't it be incredible to work on something like that? So, well, um, aren't you glad after that last season? Aren't you glad you didn't? Uh, just, yeah, just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when when I was watching previous seasons uh, mm-hmm. and just looking at what they were building for that, I was just like, wow, that's that's something um, I would be very excited to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, who knows? But um, yeah, I mean. But at the same time, you know, every day on Star Trek is a new world. <laughs> it's literally that, I'd say, it, man. Literally. And yeah. uh, we've, we've built incredible things. Like, it's funny when you ask me, what, have you, what did you work on? I'm like, hmm. Because it's just like such a blur. It, it happens so fast. And it's like, you know, when I got to Star Trek, one of the first things I helped on was that Klingon ship <laughs> and, and like we built 
you know, from that to, oh, I'm trying to like think it's just like the, the scale of the things were so varied. Um, and the, like the, the architecture of each thing was so varied, you know, that mm-hmm. was like Gothic versus, you know, some of this other stuff, which was highly super, modern. Super Bauhaus or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, I feel like even on, say you do another season of Star Trek, you never know what you're going to get to build. And, you know, maybe next, next time there's a different race and they have a totally different, you know, set of architectural principles <laughs> that they mm-hmm. adopt. So it's, um, you never, you're never stuck. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> like, and even when I was working on kids shows, you know, I didn't think I'd be building a forest tomorrow, you know? <laughs> so it's, it, I feel like if you're open, mm-hmm. you, you never know what you're going to gonna get to build tomorrow. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think um, there's a lot of cool things in the future. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. Well, I actually look forward to seeing how you succeed. And and rest assured that once all this pandemic stuff is over, um, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure I can get you down to say a lot of the stuff again, but in person to <laughs> a lot of the kids. Because listen, uh, honestly, uh, you and I both had this discussion offline, uh, sorry, online about this, but um, you know that uh, I've been trying to hunt you down to to give a little bit of insight. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, this is... Insta- I know, I know, but... Listen, are... it's not it, it's not personal. It's not personal. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm no, okay I'm with... very excited to talk to you guys. And um, the the idea of this podcast was very very cool for me because I was able to say yes instantly because I don't have to get to somewhere at a certain time for a certain you know like it. Yeah. It the, one thing about film is it's you're you're um, you never know what your day will be and it's in uh, it's a long day so it's uh, it's hard to fit other things in. And um, I think I think last time I wanted to come and be with you guys, we were opening a set that day, which is uh, which it, it doesn't work that way because I uh, you kind of have to be there for that in case of yeah stuff of messes concerns. up yeah yeah so um, yeah it's a, this worked out great because uh, it was very flexible and you know I I would love to talk to your your colleagues and your um, students and yeah. Let's yeah, do it again. It's, it's exciting. And again, yeah, thank you. I know that I, you, listen, for those listening, it's late at night and uh, Haley's got a new family and uh, I really do appreciate <laughs> your godfather appreciates this gesture of, uh, of kindness. <laughs> so um, thank you for taking the time out. And, and certainly I, I think I speak for all the listeners right now that uh, it's really great and refreshing to hear your take on things. And I'd say for some, it's even inspirational to follow in your footsteps. But uh, I do want to say thank you very much. And hopefully I can get you down for another talk. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Vince. And, um, and I just wanted to mention one last thing, which is that, you know, I took this path, but people come into film from all different, all different ways. You know, like there's, there, you, you're never at, like, <laughs> there's so many different ways you can get there. And uh, so whatever uh, your students are doing right now, there's always a way. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I will thank you very much for the inspiration. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.